Indian Warriors. Pitsville Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your hosts, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Foray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Some brands choose to buy recognition. NGK would rather work for a living. Time after time, track after track, season after season, the engines that continually propel NHRA teams to victory often rely on NGK spark plugs. From factory stock cars to the top fuel class, we put our name on the line. And when we finish first, which happens a lot, we go back to work. Why? Because sometimes recognition can come with a price, but actions always speak louder than words. We earn it. We own it. That's what matters to us. NGK Spark Plugs, since 1936. What's up, West Coast Cam? Nothing, man. Just another cold one here in California. Another rainy day. Another cloudy Cameron episode. Just saying. All right. So are you going ahead and saying that because it's cold and rainy there and you're all depressed and down in the dumps because you're not in Gainesville, you are partaking in adult beverages? Uh, yeah, you pretty well nailed it. All right. And that, folks, <laughs> is how we kick off this week's episode of Racers in a Rental Cars podcast. Hey, if, I, if, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm just saying. That's if you happening over here, I'm if you tuned the in, like Kermit the Frog, <laughs> where he's like leaning up against the the window, and he's like, "I wonder if Gainesville thinking of me too." Yeah, it's no, no, right Kermit now. is Kermit is worried about Miss Piggy and being censored. But nonetheless, folks, thanks for <laughs> tuning in to this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars, as it is the kickoff for NHRA Camping World. We're going to call it 2.0 as it starts for the 2021 season down in Gainesville. Cam, last week was what we're going to consider the soft opener, if you will, for NHRA competition as the state of Florida was on fire between the pro session at West Palm Beach. We had bikes in Bradenton. We had the Lucas Oil Series, the Baby Gators in Gainesville. And oh yeah, there was that spectacle of just mouth-dropping action that took place in Orlando for the World Door Slammer Challenge. And that was all in the matter of the great state of Florida. Hey, what was going on in California where you were? All right, so folks, <laughs> as, as we kick on off, uh, he didn't even try to claim that there was a NASCAR race in Vegas, but nonetheless... Uh, no. it was an exciting weekend of racing, dude. I was, I mean, totally stoked. Oh, yeah. There was a bunch going on. I mean, which I'm sure you probably didn't watch Supercross, but you know damn well I did. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Um, what's his face? Uh, Mr. Tomac decided to win, like, I think it was five in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he tied or beat Carmichael's record for Daytona wins, which was pretty cool. Um, and the points championship, your buddy, Mr. Ken rocks on since you don't know how to say his name, Roxon and Cooper Webb are getting into a little bit of a heated battle slash discussion. Um, cause Roxon thinks that 
Cooper Webb took him out or something, which whatever, they're all just I will say this is total sidebar conversation. I know like we don't talk too much about Supercross, but Cooper Webb is extremely good at getting in people's heads. And I love it. He's just so he's like this little dude like me, just like, yeah, man, whatever. And like he just starts going off on people. And like he does things like in practice and stuff just to like F with people. And it's awesome. And it works really well. And it gets in all his racers' heads. And especially like that when you're going multiple laps and stuff, makes a difference. Well, it sounds like our per, our production crew needs to get on the phone and we need to get them on the show. Because, I mean, I know what happened the last time. You went, whatever. But nonetheless, we will... Uh... <laughs> ah, man, I'm just yeah, saying. Whatever's, whatever's a four-letter word in NHRA, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> it most certainly is. And it's surely to get you some TV time. Make no yeah. mistake about that. Uh, whatever well, and good luck. Exactly. That those go to that'll go that'll get you some uh, airtime on ESPN and Fox for sure. But look, I got to get it out real quick, dude. The Quadra family put yeah, Mexico yeah. on the map for big time door slammer racing this past weekend. There, I, I mean, I had to I had to send a message to Tommy Lee. I said I don't know whether you were growing magic beans you went and found the the little leprechaun four leaf clover what it was pixie dust been watching frozen disney i don't know but man iaconio found power over the off season because i'm sitting back watching qualifying going ah they're gonna go they're gonna go low 50s high 60s what the heck do I know? They light the scoreboard up with 53, 50, and they, I mean, look, right? We're all racers. We all leave the house. We've got a financial plan when we roll through the gate. I guarantee you that the CFO, Royce Freeman, at Elite Motorsports did not think that his company, his, his stable of high, high talent was going to leave Orlando Dragway with only one winner, one runner-up, and neither one of those were in pro stock. Yeah. I mean, shocker. But, I mean, it was just awesome for that family to get that. I, I mean, no, and it, I, I, love, I love the Freemans and all of Elite, and, but I, I do think it's really cool that, that Quadras won. I mean, they, that's a huge thing for them. I mean, everybody knows that they've been racing for a little while, but I mean, they're investing good money into what they got going on too. So major kudos to them. That's, that's freaking awesome. And it's a family deal. And like they were both in the final. Hell yeah. I'm into that. I can get behind that. I'll buy that for a dollar. Oh, but like I said earlier this week on another show, the proof oh, is so famous. Now he's got multiple shows. Exactly. Just this stick guy, with me. Uh, stick with me. I'll yeah. take you places. Yeah. You Look, can give you, I'll give you my SAG card. <laughs> they, hey, I don't get mailbox checks. Okay, you're the only person that gets mailbox checks from Jack Frost. All right, so let's just keep it right there on the level, dude. Hey, this know. week, this week is going to be the tell for the Quadra family whether it was Cinderella or it was the real deal. I mean, you know, Gainesville. It's a couple hours up the road, pretty good track surface. I mean, if, if the quadras roll out there and they're, I mean, they're in the 50s, 
I mean, hello, there is another, there is another engine building, high price power knocking at the door. And oh yeah, his last name is Iconio. I mean, that was just in the videos of the excitement and the energy. Cause look, Mr. Iconio is not a spring chicken. Neither is Mr. Quadra. And I'm pretty sure that they could have gotten part of the Olympic team because they had some hops <laughs> of the video on the starting line when those wind lights were coming on and they were making runs. So I'm going to be looking forward to seeing some of that energy later on this weekend uh, while they're in Gainesville. But, dude, really sick. Really sick. I mean, it was just an awesome, awesome deal. So happy for West Buck, Elite, uh, Elite and all those guys, Freeman, Royce, Erica, Courtney, the whole Kings Ridge deal. It, it was a really good time to watch. Had me had me on the edge of my seat because after qualifying and they lit the scoreboard up, I was like, "Dude, how, this is this is can't miss TV." So hopefully it'll be the same way come Gainesville. Talk about the pro guys. I mean, did you hear? Did you see? John Force actually got back in a race car, oh, and I he wasn't saying that Cameron wasn't there. But <laughs> John Force, I mean, yeah, I guess we can talk about him too. Well, I, dude, let's talk about you real quick. We saw you got your kid an electric bike. You're out there. You just need to put your sports agent hat on and start taking care of your kid. Okay? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's you ain't it's kidding, up. man. That that took about. I bought him one of them Stasis bikes or Stacy bike, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, that took a whole like point two seconds for him to just go ripping off. I mean, everybody was laughing because they thought that video I posted. I know this is total sidebar conversation, but the everybody's like, oh well. That's really cute. You like posted one of the videos. I'm sure you took like a million. I'm like, no, that was it. Like I walked his happy ass over to the park. He got on it and went, brap. That was it. Gone. And that was the first video. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, really? Like, yeah, he's two and he's nuts. And he's going to be the next Carmichael. So. Well, hey, props to Carmichael. Don't forget, they gave away Boxo toolboxes this weekend in Daytona. That was pretty sick. I did see I don't that. Know. Awesome. There you go. There you go. Yep. Shout out to the Boxo guys. All right. Hey, we're it's kicking off. It's PR. It's drag racing. It's motorsports. Hey, did I don't know if you noticed or not, but Noah Gregson didn't get into a fight with anybody this past week in X <laughs> Xfinity. So we don't really I mean, hey Noah. Um can't really talk. Oh, but wait, Noah did make the news. Mike Joy. Do you know who Mike Joy is, Cameron? Is that Randy somebody's yeah. brother? <laughs> <laughs> no. Almond Joy, Almond Joy's oh, okay. Almond Joy's second cousin, oh, okay. Mike Joy. Mike Joy is one of the lead broadcasters in the Fox booth. Oh ben, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cranston. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he called out Noah Gregson on Twitter, and it was awesome. He called him out without even using his name, and everybody knew exactly who Mike Joy was talking about. And it was just because Mike is not a I can't remember. Somebody else might be have to tell me. Send us a hate mail at racersandrentalcars.com. But he doesn't typically get controversial when it comes to drivers because he makes his living interviewing them and having relationships with them. But after Noah's blow up a couple weeks ago, he called him out on Twitter pretty solid, calling him a spoiled rich kid, calling him ungrateful. For wrecking into people and, and call I dude, if you need some if you need some bathroom material or you're sitting in traffic on what do you call it, the four oh five or the five or whatever you got going on out there, dude, just go ahead, put your vehicle in park, 
pull up Twitter, search Mike Joy, and read and laugh. You'll enjoy it. That. You enjoy check it. Check that out. All right, well, since we we're got off on that, let's get to somebody else that likes to call people out. Our special guest this week, as he gets on an airplane and heads to the great state of Florida, we are going to get one of the, let's say, mentors. Uh, I, a few other adjectives were used to describe this guy's demeanor and what his impact has been on other PR people in the world of motorsports, and uh, we're going to bless our audience with uh, a little bit of time from Mr. Elon Warner. Sir, are you there, sir? I'm here. I'm here. How are you guys doing? Good. Welcome. Welcome Thanks for having me on the dumpster fire. I got got a little confused with that intro because I was waiting like, is there going to be someone on before me? (laughs) Because that's a very nice uh, introduction, Don. I I've been very fortunate. I had many people before me that helped me get my PR career started. Um, folks like Dave Dinsmore, Susie Arnold, Joe Shirk, Dave Ferroni, um, Denny Darnell. Um, so I feel like, you know, when people help you, it's your responsibility to help other people kind of come up. So, but it, it is, weird now that i walk into a press room at an nhra event and i look around and i'm the old guy now <laughs> as long as they don't refer to you as the old grumpy guy you're going to be golden no, no, they, I'm, I'm not go. grumpy. i am finding out that you know 20 years ago when someone would say hey who when did this happen at a race and dave dinsmore Susie arnold would be like oh that was you know joe motto at reading and you know he beat you know, Connie Collette in the final. And I was like, damn, how do they remember that stuff? And now I'm that guy of, hey, who did, <laughs> you know, back at, you know, in 2012, when did this happen? Or, you know, how many times has Courtney Force won a race? Or what about Tony? You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I was there for that. And I'm like, God dang it. That's, that's a lot of ridiculous information to keep in your head. But, but for your career field. It's important yeah, it's for perfect. you to have. I am a big, I am proof now. It's nerds are becoming cool now. You have people naming their products, nerd this, nerd that. You know, I feel like the game has finally come to me with statistics. <laughs> keep track of stuff. So I was the guy that, you know, I in college, I went to a very small liberal arts school, uh, Austin College in Sherman, Texas, 1,300 students. Um, but they let the students run the sports information office. So I just gravitated to, I have no formal journalism background. I have no public relations background. I have a business degree, but thanks to a uh, liberal arts education, you know, they get to do a little bit of everything. I found a place where a former college basketball player with minimal talent could still be part of the team by keeping the stat book and writing press releases and helping coordinate interviews. Um, and I'm also very cheap. So I also found a way to get into sporting events free. There you and go. I, so, I, never, I never thought of that. I like that. But that'd be a lesson to you kids out there. I've been to almost every college football national championship game for free. I've, hey. I've shared burritos with NFL players and cafeteria lines, NBA players, all-star games. 
for free. Now you have to work your ass off and no one knows who you are and you get recognized as, oh yeah, that big guy. Yeah. He's not a threat. And so if you ask me to go do a radio interview, I'll go with him. Um, I knew I put tower access on my hard card this year for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the media dot. Uh, The the key is, um, you know, yeah. So I, I love doing, you know, primarily motorsports PR, but I'm involved with Major League Rugby. Uh, through the oh, company wow. 20 PR, we handle uh, bowl season, which is a new um, kind of umbrella organization over college football bowls, college football playoffs, um, a little bit of everything. And that's just, I just love the storytelling aspect of it, the media relationships, and then just kind of working with drivers and athletes and other PR people in the media. Well, let's. You went off on a really good intro there about your background. Let's let's kind of back up and slow down a little bit. Sure. So, so you are a sports nut. You're obviously yep. in the P, in the PR world. You're not strictly a motorsports person, but the majority of us know yep. you as a motorsports guy. Correct. Yes. Now you've done it. What What are you like? Two decades into this? Are we getting close? Uh, We're not getting I close saw, to three, I are we? I started working at the Motorplex in 1993. Okay, so yeah. So closing in on 30 years. Yeah, okay. And fun fact, the Motorplex, first drag racing track I ever saw, thought every racetrack was like the Motorplex, and I interviewed twice with Billy Meyer, did not even know he was a funny car driver. That's how limited my drag racing knowledge was. (laughs) That, you know, uh, it... Dreams do come true. So <laughs> it's back here on the board. Yeah, it's uh it's amazing though that you don't have to, right? When it comes to the PR or the marketing, it'd be nice if you had some experience. It'd be nice if you'd have some foundation in it, if you understood what a burnout was, uh, that not all racetracks look like the motorplex. Uh it, it would be nice, but it's not necessary if you understand what's needed and what needs to be delivered. Correct. And that was when I worked at the Motorplex early 90s in Dallas. That was the heyday of the Cowboys. And Billy had been hiring racing guys trying to get them to do PR. And he took a chance on me and hired a PR guy. I'd worked for the Dallas Mavericks for two years as an intern. And he hired me as, you know, you've got PR experience, you know the media. I will teach you drag racing. And it worked great because as I learned, I taught the media. Because that's one thing, particularly with drag racing PR, we have so many different classes. We have so many different types of races. The cars are so different that it's overwhelming for media. So if you can go, you know, go to them, you know, humble's not the right word, but you go to them with an open idea that they are intimidated by the information sometimes that's presented to them. So you have to break it down and make it relatable. Um, so research is key. And then also, you can't talk about everything. I work with top fuel drivers. I work with funny car drivers. I work with pro stock drivers. You can't go at a guy or a woman for the first time with a pitch and say, let me tell you about Doug Coletta, Sean Langdon, J.R. Todd, Alexis DeJoria, the e-car movers team, Erica Enders, you know, Antron. They just are like... All they hear is monkeys playing cymbals. But if you go and say, let me tell you a story about someone who built their own race team, 
operates their own race team, races, and is an adrenaline junkie who happens to be female. That piques their interest about someone like Alexis DeJoria. And then you kind of introduce, oh, let's do an Alexis story. Oh, you like the Alexis story. Well, let's, okay, here's another funny car competitor. Or here, now let's talk about a little something different. And I, um, I relate Top Fuel and Funny Car when I talk to people as Major League Baseball, National League versus American League. They're essentially the same, but they have just some fundamental differences that people like a little different. You know, American League, you like the designated hitter. That's great. National League, <laughs> I want to see the pitchers at least swing a bat. To me, that's top fuel and funny car. So, you know, 80% of everything on those cars are exactly the same. It's just 20% that's different. Wheelbase, full-bodied, you know. So that's, again, and that kind of opens the door. Why are they so... They don't look alike, but they're they run almost the same now. The personalities in each category are about the same. So that's that's a, a kind of a storytelling bridge that I use when I'm talking to media that don't really understand what's the difference. Well, when you take when you start inserting adjectives to describe something that people can visualize as you're describing, you know, building something, labor, the financial, the, the impact, the commitment. Oh, and now I'm an adrenaline junkie. Oh, so they're, they're thinking X games or skydiving or something of that nature. Oh, now it's a female. Oh, okay. So it's, they're not supposed to be racing, right? Because they're females that, you know, that's the, the stereotype is that females aren't supposed to be race car drivers. So yeah, I can totally see where stepping, certain media groups in certain regions of the country that would be very important to take baby steps with them to get their interest up just to give you an opportunity right and now when i first started most markets had three or four dominant tv stations one or two dominant newspapers and three or four dominant radio stations that had 50 to 100 people in their sports departments now there's maybe six people in a TV station. There's five people in a newspaper office. There's 50 podcasts. There's blogs. You know, there's streaming TV. So it's so much more fragmented to tell your story. But it's also never been a better time to provide information as long as you provide it. It's accurate. It's timely. It looks professional because there is a void that if you are consistent and provide that someone will take and go okay this looks good this is interesting our viewers or readers might like this and they'll run that and it's ironically the last year with the pandemic has made sometimes getting tv interviews easier because you don't have to go in the studio you can just do what we're doing and just do a zoom or a skype and you can, you know, it's it's leveled that playing field a little bit. But I still, on my side of the fence, it hurts me because half of my job is getting the interview to happen. And then when I'm at the studio, once I get a driver set up, I just start wandering around. Hey, you know, and introduce myself and talking to people. Okay, what are you working on? Oh, what do you do? Finding out who the behind-the-scenes people are because that's who really makes the show work 
and you get in to know those people. Well, what are you working on? What you know? What kind of information do you like? You know, oh, you guys are getting more stuff emailed. You're getting more stuff, you know, produced, whatever. And I just file that all away, and I just try to continually build those relationships because a lot of people they get in, they do the interview, and they get out. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite stories is we went to a ESPN one time with John Force, Ashley Force, and Antron Brown. And I was doing the Force PR. There was another person doing Antron's PR. I had a duffel bag full of Ashley Force dolls, die cast, trading cards made that John and Ashley could sign. I had hats. I had T-shirts. I was like the candy man. <laughs> Everybody that we went to got an. We, I had a, two sleeves of Castrol GTX hats for signed. I mean, we just went by and just you know, hero. And we had planned on doing an autograph session for like a set deal, but I just knew. I found out where the guys at ESPN. There was a room that had thirty people in it, and all they did is watch baseball games, football games, and races, and they built the highlights. Yep. I went in there and I found every John Force Racing fan, and those guys and gals all got diecast cars. Tell us, Elon, Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> you get a car, you get a car. But it was like, oh, you like John Force? Oh, that's great. We did pictures. I mean, and then I, I just wandered off. Like Jerry Archambault was the NHRA PR person, and he was like, "Where did you go?" And I was like, "I went into a production studio. What I'm working." There? It was like meeting all the producers. Inherently, their Kissing name babies. is produce. <laughs> they produce the content. You so might want to get to know them. them. Right. And <laughs> I'm telling you, it was, it was pretty spectacular of just how you just, you know, we, I still will see people sometimes, you know, when I've seen it on like, you know, when they do those, this is Sports Center commercials. I mean, they really do film those. I've seen cubicles that have like the diecast car that I gave to that person. That's cool. You know, so it, it's just about making the connection and free stuff. No, oh, absolutely. Free it, stuff. it can be a hero card. It can just making that connection is the key. Well, if Everybody you can make stuff. Yeah. If you can make somebody feel part of what it is or how important right. they are, then that makes easy. It also makes it easier to be able to email or call or, or, yep. you know, or you see yep. them somewhere else and you need a favor. Hey, can you help sure. me out here? Yeah, absolutely. No, that that's for sure. Okay. So let's talk about, we went, we, you're, you're do you've done force, right? We, we've, yep. we have had, we have had some force executives on the show in the past. So, uh, you know, uh, we, we know that you've got some inner workings there. I want to, I want to pick your brain real quick, ask you one quick question. Yep. Obviously you're on the outside looking in now, if you would have been inside the building last year at JFR, mm -hmm. how difficult uh, would that have been for you to navigate? Not, saying anything PR wise for so long during that time. It, it would have been tough. I would have been early on advocating to just say something because every, you know, a vacuum fills itself. Also um, I'm a big saying that I'm also a big proponent of, if you're not prepared to say something, you don't necessarily owe it to the public to say something. 
Like if there's something going on with your sponsors, um, you're trying to deal with employees, um, which John has always really put first, um, you don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. I, but I do think that they could have said something sooner. And I think they, quite on, from the PR side, they left a lot on the table as far as filling some news cycles. It's okay to say we're not racing. Everybody wasn't racing. Right. And then when people came back, it was okay to say, we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to wait a season. And, you know, basically that what they said when they finally said something was the perfect thing to say, but I would have just said it a little bit earlier to just, uh, for the sport, you know, it left the sport in a really uncomfortable position, I think. And it's a sport that John loves and he's dedicated a lot of his life to, and it's built careers for his kids and Robert Height and so many people that there was a long period of uncertainty that didn't do anybody any favors because the 800 pound gorilla in the room hadn't said, this is what I'm doing. Right. And it, yeah. it's a shame that so many people are affected by what he does, you know, even NHRA as a whole, you know, yeah. he, he is NHRA. Like, let's be honest. Right. So he, he, he is, but I was very, positively affected by how well the NHRA ran and the level of competition and the level of interest was different, but a lot of people stepped up and, you know, the NHRA didn't fold up its tents when John race, John first racing wasn't there. Yeah. And I can agree with that. And I think that's a good point because there are other stories and I, you know, like you said, it, it kind of allowed time for people to get showcased or spotlight that might not have gotten it before yeah. because it was the John Force show, which is good, you know, sure. but it's always great to have him out there too. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is because he is a, he's, he's the star of our, of the sport. Right. And he's the Michael I, Jordan. I, yeah. He's the Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Tiger Woods, Babe right. Ruth all rolled into one. Um, and I, and I do feel responsible responsible for creating that a small part of the, you know, you mentioned the John force show, like when we were on ESPN, you know, my job was to get our drivers as much publicity as possible. Oh yeah. Well, well you did a great job at that. Cause yeah. I mean, yeah. we learned about yeah. the family yeah. cats it, it, and everything else on ESPN. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't really let the game come to us. I mean, I treat PR like a full contact sport. It's, it's a ledger. There are winners and there's losers. When my drivers are in the newspaper or on a show, that is a win. Now, we can't win all the time, but I want to win more often than not. And I'll be helpful when I do um, articles in the New York Times or ESPN the magazine. There's only so many times you can do that. So I'll take those contacts and I'll pass them off to Don Schumacher Racing. I'll pass, you know, at the time, I pass them off to Coletta. I'll pass them off to other teams because they're not going to do five John Force racing stories, right. but they will do maybe one or two John Force racing stories. And then, Hey, let's have them do an Antron Brown story. Let's have them do an Eric Ender story. Let's have them do a, you know, Fernando or Christian Quadra story. You guys were talking about that earlier. I think they're, first of all, the world door slammers challenge or nationals or whatever Wes and Richard Freeman call it to me, Westbuck and Richard Freeman are not, they're the bill donor 
of our current generation. They are the best promoters that are non-track affiliated right now. And you need guys like that creating events. The Pro Mod World Series, an amazing event. This door slammer deal they're doing in Orlando, phenomenal. The fact that that's giving the opportunity. Yeah, I would be homeless right now if you would have told me the Quadras were going to make, if one of them was going to make the final. That's no disrespect to them. I know I work with them because they're, they're TMS Titanium clients of ours. And they are, but like they are putting the work in. And that weekend, I think, really was their coming out party. Yes, I do think people are going to look, okay, if they won this, can they win the Gator Nationals? Or can they be as successful at the Gator Nationals? I'm, that would be great. But if they stub their toe at the Gator Nationals, that doesn't diminish their success at the door slammer deal. But it does like, okay, hey, let's see what they can do. But it does give me a lot of attention on the fact that, hey, it can be done. There are other drivers that are out there winning with horsepower, winning with skill, and I could not be happier for them. Um, but you also have the deal of you pull the tiger's tail by beating Greg Anderson and beating Eric Anders. <laughs> and I think we all know sometimes what happens when you pull the tiger's tail is, you know, I can only hope le- that you may wind up calling them lefty for the rest of their lives. I don't know. You know <laughs> I can only hope. I, I, we can only hope. I that is. Yeah. I mean, you did. You hit the nail on the head with that aspect because we have to have the stories being told. And I, I guess that you know, on my sheet, I had it. You know, just to get to that question, I had wrote down because you have you were an integral part of the JFR deal and obviously now you've moved on to to Coletta and you're and you're doing other drivers how is it and why is it that it seems like NHRA will run continuous focus on drivers and not we talk about diversity mm-hmm. but it seems when it comes time to tell PR stories we're not very diverse. We're, we, we, start to, we start to say, oh, wait, we got blinders on. We're going to focus right here on these four or five drivers, and we're not going to – we don't, no, no, that guy lost. He's a part-timer, and he didn't win, so we're not going to give him any airtime. He doesn't have a – you know, he's not unique enough or whatever. Why? There are not enough PR people out there. I will there, – there's, there's only two PR people – in the entire NHRA organization, Jeffrey Young, Allie Bland. And they're great, but they're doing the work that four years ago, eight people did. So that's one element. You go to the team side, there are, you know, Allison McCormick's running the show at Don Schumacher Racing. Sarah Slaughter's running the show at John Force Racing. I'm, you know, kind of running the show at, at Coletta Motorsports. That's really kind of it as far as team PR people. I mean, I do multiple clients. I try to consult with as many guys and offer assistance to as many guys. There are a lot of people that are doing social media for teams. But as far as being PR people that are talking to their drivers or crew chiefs and coming up with a story and emailing it to Steve Righteous, who is the producer of the Fox broadcast now, and saying, hey, here's talk about my driver here going into the race. Here's something that's unique that's happening. There's just that's just not happening. And you know, 
And Fox can come up with some ideas, but if you're not telling your story, you can't blame you can't blame the TV broadcast for not doing your show. And I have never going back to Eric Swearingen when he was with ESPN, the producer there. They will find a home. Now it may not be that race, but if you're far enough in advance, hey, I have a sponsor deal. I have to have a tech talk or whatever about my sponsor. Trust me, they will find a way to make that happen because they understand dollars rule this sport. I have to, you know, I have to agree with you on that because I mean, me being the little guy that we're that I think Don's probably referencing, um, which I didn't preface him with that. I didn't tell him to do that, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, well, you talked about Steve little and guy. yeah, I am little guy, but anyway, um, <laughs> but you talked about Steve over at Fox, you know, he has done things for me that I've emailed him, like you just said, and said, Hey man, like I really need something like, can you at least tell loans or somebody like to, to do, and they did. So, <laughs> and it's, probably my fault or my team's fault or whoever for not getting more of that because like you said there's not enough people that go around and there's only certain kitties around the milk bowl and something's gonna fall off at some point and sometimes people think that pr people oh maybe that's not important or whatever depending on Man. what you're looking at but it's huge it's, it's that's self, like it's it, self-serving that's better than going down the track to be honest you know I'm, all that stuff is so important i will say if you are a team owner a young team Find a young person that is interested in racing, that likes to write. And I'll tell this to anybody, and I tell this, you know, if you want to write about racing, there are opportunities with Competition Plus, with Drag Illustrated, with, you know, if you're going to your local race and you can reach out to Wes Buck or Bobby Bennett or Racing Junk or you start your own blog, if there was someone that was writing a, they were a super fan and they loved everything about Coletta Racing and they started a Coletta Racing blog. And they devoted themselves to Coletta Racing like people do to Bruno Mars or, um, you know, the Derek Jeter or whoever. And I saw that blog and I saw that it was not a piece of crap and they were actually putting some effort into it. I would give that person unfettered access on a consistent basis to members of our organization to simply foster that relationship and get them out there. So... Cameron, if you know a guy or gal that's like, hey, this person is not a knucklehead. They want to build this relationship or build this job. I, I will mentor anybody. I will give them open playbook. Because like oh, you that's said, awesome. it is a simple text to Brian Loans to right. say, or email, to say, hey, man, when you're talking about my car this weekend, like, here, here's a perfect example. This is something I said, and I'll, you need to watch the broadcast this weekend. Because Justin Ashley has Cato Fastening Systems on his race car. Renewed that sponsorship. Cato Fastening Systems, their tangless um, fasteners are on the Perseverance Mars Rover right now. On a completely other planet. Nice. I, I sent a deal to Loans, to Steve, to Jamie Howe, to Tony, and just simply said, this isn't a tech talk piece. This isn't, you know three minutes worthy, but it should definitely be mentioned that Justin Ashley's sponsor, Cato Fastening Systems, they're providing fasteners for his car, and they're providing fasteners for the Mars Rover, which is the most <laughs> talked about piece of machinery on the planet right now. And we're, we have different planets. They have rockets up there. And I sent them the link to the Cato Fastening System website. 
That's cool. So that's, that's awesome. how you tie those little things together. But it takes some time, and you have to be kind of creative, and you have to build that um, relationship. But you know, it may not happen, but I'm hopeful it will. No, um, but I mean, but part of it too, like you're being the person that's developing a relationship, which I'm sure your drivers and stuff too have relationship with loans and, and Steve and all that, which I do as well. But you have to facilitate that too, because if you're just some punk, they're not, they're not going to help you out. If you're not willing to, I don't know, do something for them later on or whatever, like scratch your back, scratch theirs. And it's, it's not super transactional and, but it is, you have to be fair with them. Like if you're giving them all the positive information and then I'll use your example, Cameron, I'll just pull the, I'll just rip the bandaid right off. And then you get into an altercation on the track <laughs> and you don't make yourself immediately available. Now, granted third parties come in and say, we don't want you to talk. We don't want you to do this, whatever, but you were available. And right. when you got asked tough questions, you're like, I'll tell you, this is, this is how I feel. This is how I perceived it happened. You know, that's what you have to be able to do right. when stuff. And, and that's why force is great. Force gets a lot of positive press. But when stuff goes sideways, he will, you know, face the music. And you have to be able to do that to have a healthy relationship with the media. Now, 100%. it's always OK to say no comment, but it's much better to say, I don't feel comfortable talking about this right now because. I have sponsor obligations because, you know, I reacted in the, you know, I already reacted once in the spur of the moment. I'm going to take some time and why don't you call me in three days? Right. Why don't you, you know, I'll reach out to you and then you have to kind of follow up with that. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the, that's really the transactional side of it is if you take the good and you're out there promoting the good, when take the bad. something happens bad or they have, they have a legitimate question. You yeah. should take the time to at least give them a thoughtful response, either publicly or privately. And nine times out of ten, if you're like, hey, man, I really can't talk about this because X, Y, Z. They will appreciate that, and then they'll just they'll move on. Right. And which is, yeah, kind of. Kind of <laughs> no <funny>. comment. <laughs> yeah, no comment. I, no, I mean, I, yeah, I was willing to talk about it, but I was. Instructed yeah, I, 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 and I'm not trying to get you in trouble. No, no, no. You're no, right. I mean, yeah. my yeah. Is, situation. I'm an open book about. It. I talk about. It. I don't care. Yeah, but, but that's you know, the, you handled that deal. I thought very well, quite honestly, for someone that wasn't getting a lot of direction. And to me, I'm a big follow your gut guy. If it doesn't feel right, you know, you probably you know take a pause. But if if you're like the fires in your belly <laughs> to say something. Then you say it. Oh, we we should have totally got Pepto Bismol to be a sponsor for our podcast during those three weeks because we yeah. we were making we were making it up as we went literally sure. by the hour uh, sharing yeah. text messages. What are we saying? What are we not saying? What are we saying? Right. What are we not saying? Yeah. And, that, and that's why I, I, I'm an open book. I mean, we I've had to deal with a lot in this sport. You deal with a lot of tragedy. You know, I was with with the team when we lost Eric Medlin. And there are people clamoring for information. And we had a very structured message of we had one spokesperson. Kelly Antonelli was the person that would give information. You know, unfortunately, I was able to give some of that counsel to Coletta Motorsports when we lost Scott. 
uh, you know, when Brittany in 2014, whenever we came back the year defending her top field championship, crashes in the first round of eliminations. I went to the hospital three days in a row, by the way, at the Winter Nationals that year. Because we transported force. And then I'm there. And like, I, I knew all the doctors. Like, when Brittany went to the hospital, I was in the waiting room. And someone walked by. And I was like, what are you doing back here? And I was like, yeah, you got my dad's daughter in bay number three back there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's nuts. I did a door code to the emergency room. <laughs> I've been there so long. So, hey, did you take two creams and sugar? Here you go. <laughs> manage that information expectation. Um, you well, know, so that's that's part of the deal. Well, hold on, because I this is another. You you keep traversing right in the direction. This is awesome. So I had my another question I had wrote down here because of your PR time, not tragic, not death. Those are those right. those are separate. I want you to tell me about your most chin, cheek, forehead, tense moment of a negative situation, PR related in drag racing in NHRA. Oh. Ready, set, go. <laughs> oh, ZMAX Dragway naming a grandstand after Force and Force not qualifying for the race that weekend. <laughs> Ooh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> oh, I don't even have to think about it. We're like standing around like a bunch of smoves. Horse was so embarrassed he didn't know what to do. Oh my <laughs> god, I gotta make that as a note. That's good. And after me, I don't make the race. I gotta well, write that down. To sit in them. <laughs> well played, Cameron. Well played. Take an extra twenty out of petty cash for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that's the first one that jumps uh to my head um you know there, there's some of just about missed opportunities um i i think we didn't really handle ashley's forces first win very well uh we we knew it was coming and literally the that sunday in atlanta we had a conversation about man we really i probably ought to talk to ashley about what's going to be required of her if she were to win a race and then that day was rain delay, blah, 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 blah. Um, and the fact that she got to the final round racing her dad, and there's this story that, well, she forced through the race for her because he took this bad lane. Well, what people don't realize, again, Statner coming out, that was Force's 500th career race. And had he won that final, it would have been his thousandth round win which would have meant for 500 races, he averaged a semifinal finish. Wrap your head around that. Damn, that's crazy. So, in the symmetry of it, and Force, I'm going to follow this up with another great competitive story about how competitive Force is, but so Coyle felt, he knew there was a bump in that left lane, but he felt he had a tune-up that could power over it. He knew Force would have a better reaction time than Ashley. And they were going to trailer her ass. And it just didn't work out. And she got her first win, but we hadn't really prepared her, so it was a very overwhelming experience for her. So that was um, a missed opportunity, I think, that we could have made a little bit. We got a lot of media coverage out of it. We could have just handled it a little bit better. Um, my second force competitive story is... In 2013, for his last championship, when he was, 
We realized after Hagen lost in the first round of that race and Force won, if Force won the race, he could clinch the championship in Vegas. So I keep points projections, and I and I was like, I actually went to the NHRA and said, uh, you guys got the championship banner floating around here? Because if Force <laughs> wins, he's world champion. And Anthony Vesco was like, I don't think so. And I was like, I've done the math. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've carried the two. Like, they're okay. kind of like, oh, crap. So I then we get the to two. the final, and it's Force versus Courtney. I'm back in the pits, and Force is, you know, he is all about his kids. He wants them to be successful, and he is just talking out loud. He's like, man, you know, it'd be great if, you know, if Courtney got this win, you know, I, you know, I was like, you know, I could just, all I got to do is show up at Pomona and make a couple, I'm, I'm the champ, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So much can happen in a week between now and Pomona. You could get in a car wreck. You could, you could whatever. I go, you beat Courtney's ass in this final round. You're world champ no matter what happens. And Lori Force was around, and she was like, she did not like hearing that because again, you want your daughters to succeed. And Force has got nine thousand wins. Right. You know what? He's already got fifteen championships. You know, so I was like, Force, you have to go to that place because he's always gets messed up racing his daughters and racing the Lexus, <laughs> and you know they just for whatever reason it's not a, it is not a male female it is just a kind of caring person and wanting to support the young drivers he's always gets kind of messed up um but he went out there and was like 17 on the tree beat courtney on a whole shot wins the championship courtney and Lori didn't talk to me for like until like the winter nationals <laughs> <laughs> but he was the champ that's right and what that, are we here for but he forces a competitive guy so he Hands down, he was going for the win against Ashley, and I think he proved his competitiveness by, you know, taking Courtney out to get his 16th championship. Damn, Skippy John. There you go. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the the 800-pound gorilla in the room that we talked about before we got on the show. We're, Cam and I are – well, okay, I'm going to let Cam off the hook. I am very critical of – our racing organization extremely sure. extremely critical because it's not just something that i do it mm-hmm. it it's legitimately my livelihood right. of career right so i it makes me extremely critical because your decisions or non-decisions do trickle down and impact my lifestyle yes. that being said there was a very intriguing article that was wrote this week and released about NHRA and their racers being tolerated, not celebrated. And it came from a multi-time NHRA professional champion who recently retired. You had said off air that you read the article. Yes. We... I don't think our audience knows, but you also managed the Texas Motorplex for numerous mm-hmm. years. Yep. You have you have the experience and the fortunate situation to be on, let's say, all three sides of the boardroom table. Right. <laughs> Give me your critique oh. of the article or give me what it is you think was right or wrong 
And where does NHRA need to go? Because all right, 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 right now we feel like we're bailing water. Yeah, I will. I will tell you. I, I was not a fan of the article because I just didn't really feel like it put a lot of things into context. And it's easy to say, and I, that not just NHRA, but a lot of companies are paying their top executives too much money based on what your employees are getting paid. And I will, while I don't think racers are quote unquote employees, there is a symbiotic relationship between the NHRA sanctioning body, the racers and the tracks. And there are people in California that are making um, significant amount of money based on what other people are making. Um, I am a capitalist. You will never get me to say someone should not be making a certain amount of money. My wife and I almost didn't get married because I supported Jim Jackson's holdout in 1991 with the Mavericks because he said he was worth $30 million a year. The Mavericks or $3 million a year. The Mavericks said no. And I said, I fully support that. If he doesn't want to work and his employer doesn't want to pay him, that's how the world works in my eyes. Now, so true being said, I didn't like the the relationship with the entry and drivers and tracks last year did become very adversarial because of purse cuts. And um, that was unfortunate, but I don't I don't think anyone's really blaming the NHRA or should be blaming the NHRA for trying to get to the finish line and having events. Because if the NHRA would have not had any more events last year, we wouldn't have a camping world sponsor. We wouldn't have, I don't think a lot of the teams, Mike Salinas, I don't think John Force would have been able to come back. Teams like, you know, Don Schumacher racing would have just said, you know what? I have other business interests. I'm going to go do something else. Um, could the sanctioning body be treating the racers better? Yes. But I think if you talk to NBA players or NFL players, they would also tell you that their league treats them like crap and that the owners treat them like crap. Um, it is a constantly evolving situation. I don't think the NHRA leadership right now is Glenn Cromwell, um, guys like Brad Gerber and John Saragoose on the sales side, Jeffrey Young on the communication side, Evan Jonet on the marketing side. Those are all really good people that are honestly trying to make the sport better and understand that to do that, they need to create opportunities for the racers to make money or to control costs. I don't think you can turn the Titanic around in a day either. This has been a long time coming. And there has been bad leadership in the NHRA previously. I'm not going to discount that. Um, I think it's unfortunate that now you get to a point where um, a lot of people in the sport didn't grow up racing in the sport. So they don't have sometimes their perception is they don't have the uh, love for the sport because they weren't racers and they didn't come up through the racing. Um, and they don't care about racers because they're just corporate guys. And then I can also go back on a time machine 20 years to when Graham Light was running the show and Dallas Gardner was involved and all racers did was MF those guys because well they used to be racers they they should know what we're up against 
we need to get guys in here that know how to run a business. We need to get marketing guys in here. We don't need racing guys. We need marketing guys. And that's, you know, and to me, <laughs> I don't, I didn't like the tone of that article. I wasn't there when Jason said what he said. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to use that cop out of, oh, he was taken out of context. I don't know. I just wasn't there. But I'm always leery of articles like last year after the U.S. Nationals. I thought a really successful U.S. Nationals with a lot of positive things. The next week, there's an article that quotes Doug Foley, who I don't know, talking about, hey, you win a race, you get a six-pack and a bag of chips. I remember that quote. And... To me, I don't expect you to be a bootlicker to the sanctioning body or if you're a journalist to just write puppy dogs and kittens. But like you said, your livelihood revolves around the sport and coverage and access. So why do you want to just write a hatchet job story for no purpose? What was the goal of that story? To basically publicly say... NHRA leadership was a bunch of jerks and they don't care about the racers. I don't think any of us think that's true. I think there's a level that could be better, but the fact that the NHRA strove last year to continue to have events and continue to at least pay the racers the most they could and still be financially responsible to get us to this year, to get us to an opportunity to have 22 events to get us to have a series sponsor. I think that that's unfortunate to present it like that. And, you know, Jason announced he was going to retire at the beginning of last year, well before COVID was a thing. Mm -hmm. Jeg decided to retire well before we knew all this stuff was happening. So he was gone regardless. So, Positioning the story that Jason left maybe because he got treated like crap last year. I don't know, you know, how fair that was. Yeah, I don't buy that either. But will I continue to give riders access to my drivers? For sure. Because you have to take the bad with the good. But to me, um, I hold the NHRA's feet to the fire too. I just don't do it publicly. (laughs) Well, and that would be the... And and so, okay. So, and I said that opportunity to just grant. No, 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 not at all. You're welcome. I think the biggest thing that that I try to communicate, and I've had this conversation numerous times with our division director here in the Midwest, and I've said it to other executives. NHRA is the country club of capitalists. Because it costs an absorbent amount of money and time to run at regardless of whatever class level, whether it's super street all the way to top fuel, the people that do it are, are business people or Mm -hmm. successful families and they, they're successful, right? They're, they're successful in something that provides some sort of financial revenue to allow that to happen, whether it's whether it's owning a thousand acres of corn that they farm and have for a hundred years, or they run 10 card lots or they run three RV dealerships 
or have 10 convenience stores, it doesn't matter what it is, they're successful. Mm -hmm. And when your executives are inside an organization and they're doing things or making decisions or treating their quote unquote customers certain ways, and you're doing it to successful business people, you 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 are taking away from them and and I kind of use the phrase disrespect a little bit because we all get in trucks and motorhomes and we travel to a racetrack and we pull through the gate and all of a sudden we all got dumber like we're like we should be happy that somebody unlocked the gate to let us in that, that I mean we're trying to put all the clowns in one circus tent and we unlock a gate to do it and and that bothers me because sure. these people have all this money to be able to spend to do this and they work really hard to get it and they're successful in business and here you are as an organization leadership and you're communicating down or not communicating at all and you're doing it to people that really could just pack up their sandbox and go do something else but they've chosen to spend their time and money and effort and energy with your organization and so there was some there was some emotion, coat ties, sure. string, heart strings to that statement of being tolerated versus celebrated. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a hatchet article, but if you walk through the sportsman pits and, and, and you, you come over and sit down and, and have a legitimate conversation, you're not always going to find the puppy dogs and the kittens. There's going to no, be I guys, you, you know, and so I that's – I, there's never enough, and I think that may also be the reason why I think her article got, I think in, in 12 hours it had 375 shares, and it, I mean, it blew up like wildfire on, on, on some social media sites because it had a sense of, hey, NHRA, pay attention to us because we don't have the, the quote-unquote feet to the fire publicly. It's always hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing that. Hey, it's like cheerleaders with pom-poms. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I know Glenn Cromwell from, from Feld days and Monster Jam and so forth. I don't know if Glenn can still get out there and do pom-pom dances. But nonetheless, you know, we want, we want someone to understand and relate with us as employees or as customers when there are tough times and, and things may not be right. And it's a struggle. It really is. Yeah. I don't envy you as a PR person for or any of the PR for the professional side because obviously it's the professional. You know, they've got multi millions of dollars tied up where right. some of us may not have as much. Uh, but it, I, I, I can respect your point of view about what the goal would be. Uh, but there, she, she fans some flames in the sportsman ranks. And and to me, and I and I agree. I agree. I, I think. We're, we're at a we're in a in a weird position of how the sportsman and again I will I am not a sportsman expert I will go back and kind of put my motorplex hat on of the mid 90s when we would run super pro pro you know no electronics and guys would come out with their dualies and a chaparral trailer or an open trailer and their super pro car or their pro car and be part of our weekly races and we had a nice divisional race but it, the divisional race really didn't look that much different than our weekly races right and then again it's it's cubic dollars it's okay one guy got 
a Kenworth big rig to pull his Chevro trailer that had a sleeper in it. And then a guy got a motor home. And then everybody got a motor home. And then now <laughs> you've got guys that are running the sportsman ranks that if you build a time machine and took a guy like Ed Federkeel or, you know, another sportsman guy, you know, and transported them back to 1983 at the Winter Nationals, he'd have the hottest shit ride trailer there as a sportsman guy, better than Don Garlitz or Snake. So they've, the competitors have, again, because they are successful business people, they have the discretionary income. The, you know, and you, you know, it's the new boat. It's the new, you, you understand this, Don. I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's mission creep. You understand how mission creep works. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. overnight, but it's just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this and then we're going to kind of do this. And then this is going to get a little out of balance. And we're going to try to get this back in balance. The next thing you know, you look around and you're like, we got, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. We got a hundred thousand guys on the other side of the planet, or we just did this, or we've invested $10 trillion in space gate or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, how do we even get here? I think that's a little bit. And that's why I like guys like Wes Buck and Richard Freeman. And the guys that do the million-dollar bracket races. Because if you're a sportsman guy and you've come to seven NHRA national events in a row and everyone makes you matter and matter at the NHRA, is it the NHRA's problem? No, you can vote with your money and go somewhere else. Yeah. But I, but I don't advocate that because I'm not the guy that's like, well, you know, I do think you should try to work for change inside the deal. If there was no other opportunity, like if NHRA had this edict of you race our events and if we catch you racing a million dollar bracket race or you go and do like if they would have said, if you race at the World Door Slammer Challenge in Pro Stock, we're not we're going to suspend you from the Gator Nationals. That God, could you imagine? <laughs> oh, my but, I mean, God. I mean, they're not like that. They understand they have their flaws and there's opportunities. And for me, I love, I want to go to a million dollar race someday, you know, to just see that, to see an event where the sportsman guys are the stars and Mm -hmm. get to know those guys like, you know, Sean Langdon, you know, there's guys out there that they don't even want to race top fuel, you know, (laughs) they're making $300,000 a year racing 12 big money bracket races. You know, I guarantee you, Steve Torrance didn't mean on his racing money. He didn't put $300,000 into his pocket three years ago when he won his first championship. He put that in his crew guys pockets and whatever, but there's, there's guys out there running these big money bracket races that it's them and two buddies and their buddies are like their caddies. Hey man, if we win this, I'm going to give you twenty percent. Well, sometimes yep. that twenty percent might be seventy-five thousand dollars. You know what? I'll lug a lot of fuel jugs, <laughs> and I'll, and I'll drive the crap out of a golf cart. For yeah, a I'll, drive the, I'll check the shit out of your tires. I will, dude. My air pressure gain will be tight. Fact. So, uh, I, I think the NHRA could treat the racers better. Bottom line, at every level. I am hopeful that in two years, 
we're having a conversation where we're potentially paying a series winner a million dollars. That to me is always my goal. No one's really going to care about NHRA until somebody gets a million dollar check. If you're hey, getting, if you're getting half a million dollars for winning the Amazing Race or American Ninja Warrior or Celebrity <laughs> Bake Off, that's a problem. We got to find a way to pay our people a million dollars. That is a and very good point. I'm like it's, our sales guys; they got to be selling. You know, I like Alec Baldwin from Glengarry Glen Ross. You know what? The you don't get the Glengarry leads. ABCs always always be closing. Be closing. You know, That's first it. place you get a Cadillac, second place steak knives, third place you're fired. <laughs> That's <laughs> we got a lot of inventory out there, and it's not five hundred thousand dollar inventory. It's not a million dollar inventory. You know what? Let's go out and get ten fifty thousand dollar placements. Yep. Let's get no. a guy to give $25,000 or $50,000 and give the top fuel guys $1,000 for being number one qualifier. I'm sorry, funny car guys. This guy wanted to give $50,000 to top fuel. We're going to try to find a guy that will give us $50,000 for funny car. Pro stock guys, we're sorry. We got top fuel funny car. We're going to try to find a guy to give your category this. You know what? We're going to have you know a bounty program. You beat the number one quality. You beat the number one guy on points in eliminations. We got a sponsor that's going to give you a thousand dollars. Let's get some. You know, let's grow these people. I tell people all the time. Uh, Justin Ashley has been doing an amazing job bringing sponsors to his team. Um, Rise Brewing Company, the Daily Crave. These are not big deals. He's getting them into Menards, and he's like, man, you know. Do I need to send a press release out about these things? They're not big deals. They are deals. You send a press release out. John Force's first sponsorship with Castrol, $3,000 and stickers. The last year of his sponsorship, eight figures. That's two commas. That's over $10 million. <laughs> That's two commas. <laughs> That's a pretty good return on your investment going from 1983 to 2015 or whatever. But it's you grow those deals, you expand those right. deals, you deliver for your sponsors. Yep. No, you know, that's there, true. There aren't any three million dollar deals, Lena. I mean, I hate to tell you, Cameron. There's no, no I know. three million dollar um, deals out there. There's not. But, oh. but there's some solid. <laughs> there's some solid hundred thousand dollar deals out there, if you work it. And there's real opportunity to grow a hundred thousand dollar deal into a three hundred thousand dollar deal over time. That there is. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. I, I mean, That's you can't do that. I feel like I've, that you know. there is. And when you get those big deals, slide some of the money to the PR department. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I didn't know when it was coming. Slide a little money to the PR department and also slide some money to photography. That's Those are two things. I'm a big fan of photographers. you got to pay photographers. You should just build it into your budget. You're going to get a million dollars. You're going to get $100,000. Take 1%. And figure out a way to pay for photography and public relations. There you go. There's that's you know, when you that's get married, advice drop right there. When you get married, what lasts longer? Flowers or photography? Photography. So that's what I tell I've been married twenty five years. Unless you yeah. buy cold hard art. If you buy okay. cold hard art flowers, buy- they last forever. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also a big fan of that. So but yeah, to me, that's that's the deal. Is our sport is I think 
has a lot of potential. It's not perfect. I think there's a lot of people that are pulling in the right direction and they're communicating and they're trying to figure it out. But if anybody can tell you what's happening in 60 days from now, they're a liar no. or they, you need to get some information from them and let's go to Vegas and let's win some money. No kidding. No, you're absolutely you just, right. We're, we're all hot. Times yeah. have never been more uncertain in the fact that NHRA is just trying to provide an opportunity for us to race. You know? No, and, and it is. Cameron, I know you're a California guy, but California's just stupid. It's too expensive to live where they're, you know, they got to, you know, and that's, you know, again, the economics of money and stuff. They're, they're try- I think the NHRA is honestly trying to move more people to Indy to help alleviate some of the overhead. But that's, again, not going to change overnight. Hey, I tell Don all the time, I'm only here because my family's here. If they weren't here, I'd have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, I hear you. So I think a lot of yeah. people like that. You're there. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, for Pretty sure. Much. I'm just going to keep taking it in the shorts as every month I pay <laughs> that mortgage. <laughs> yeah, Cameron doesn't know, but we're really going to be launching a serious digital uh, campaign strategy here in, in quarter number three. We're going to see if we can't get Vaseline to, to get on board uh, based on the tax program that he's got going on out there in California. <laughs> Damn. Uh, well, Elon, thank you very much. We've kept you longer than we intended, but it gets you are going to add your name to the list with the Scott Woodruffs and the Ben Rylings of the of our uh, oh, history. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to have you back and have some more conversations, especially uh, on the financial side. Definitely so. Anytime. But 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 you cannot leave the show. Without being just like all of our other guests, you got to answer two questions before you go. The first one is, you can send a Christmas card to anybody in motorsports, alive or dead. Who are you sending it to? Anybody in motorsports. Oh, Richard Petty, the king. There we go. He's had his, he's, he's on the score. Has he? Wait, uh, yeah, one, he's got one. Yeah. He's got one. So he, that's the second score for Richard. All right. Uh, all right. Here's the one that always leaves everybody stumped, and we don't understand why. You get to send one WTF card to anybody in motorsports. Who's it going to? Oh, I would say WTF. Give me Ari Leindyke. For Ooh. having the audacity to actually try to think he could fight AJ Foyt at Texas Motor Speedway twenty years ago. <laughs> That's the <I> first. Mean, <laughs> Ari, what the f? You're not. <laughs> AJ will whip your ass today. I'd give Ari Leindyke at that age versus AJ Foyt today zero percent chance of winning that fight. <laughs> Oh my lord, that is Too awesome! That's roses. That's it. Amen. Totally stepping right. roses. Uh, hey, I'll come on with you guys anytime. Well, no, thank you very much. Thank you so much. We greatly awesome. appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. We wish you all the best of luck in Gainesville. Hopefully, you got a lot of stories to tell. Uh, hopefully, you'll have winter circle photos. Testing looked like it went well today. Sean was hot lapping his car and Doug's car, so uh, looked looked pretty. Uh, has some pretty sporty numbers yep. up front. So we'll uh, best of luck to the team Coletta and uh, the rest of your high 
talent roster of clients. We wish you the best this weekend. Thank you for taking time out and coming on. Sure thing. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Hopefully sooner rather than later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cam, I always like having somebody on the show that can give us the back and forth of the other side, right? You and I have both been in boardrooms on both sides of the board uh, for marketing and the business side. The one thing neither one of us have ever done is run a racetrack or be in that leadership type position. And obviously, Elon had that. And you could tell you could tell that he had an understanding and vision and perspective of, of potential issues and challenges that NHRA was going through or still is going through in in regards to the article, but his PR. Yeah, he's good. And the thing, the thing about him is, you know, he, he brings up a lot of things that people don't really think about, which is really cool. And, you know, maybe me and you do, but to the general fan, I forget who I was talking to the other day. This doesn't really relate, but I talked about the general fan a lot of these general fans don't put together all the inner workings of all the bes- the behind the scenes things that are going on. They just see the hey, there's Leah, hey, there's Sean, hey, there's Cameron, hey, there's Don, or whatever. You know, how come they can't sign autographs at because of COVID or whatever? Like, there's the little things, you know, but there's so everything's so much bigger than that, and whether it's drama or finding money or the one that I can't stand that everybody always relates to that the non or the, the normal fan. Well, how come you don't have a sponsor? (laughs) It's the number one, like the number one question that I can't just like, it just makes my skin crawl because how do you you even like respond to that? It's like, it's not because of a lack of effort. I can promise you that. And it's not because I don't have what it takes. And it's not because it's just there's so many things that, you know, everybody says, talks about all the things, all the things of just everything, all the things. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things that go on that a lot of people don't understand. And it's really cool to have Elon come in and, and talk about some of those things that uh, that happen. And, you know, like he and he's talking about John Force, which is really cool. And, you know, Ashley and you know, bigger names. And it's not just us spitballing things that, you know, they're like, who the hell is Cameron and Don, right? So, which is really cool. And uh, I appreciate his time. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can have him on again for sure. Well, dude, I don't know what you're going to do this weekend, but I'm going to be kind of glued. Yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) You'll be doing something with your kid on his new spiffy electric bike or whatever uh, that thing is. Runs on 9-volt batteries. But nonetheless, uh, I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to be watching NHRA. I'm going to be looking for the kickoff in March, you know, for the season down in Gainesville. The weather looks awesome. Uh, Potential, potential, there could be some potential record-breaking going on i think uh, especially coming out of orlando for the pro mod and the pro stock guys I, it could be a really uh exciting weekend looking forward like i said testing was going on uh the past two days uh protesting so i'm excited man i'm excited yeah i'm still even though i'm a race car driver i'm still a fan of motorsports oh, of uh, course absolutely you know uh, you really know damn well i'll be watching it i'll just yeah. be working and tearing up all at the same time which it's all good i'll be back hey don't worry don't, i'll be i'll be just fine i promise 
Promise. Are you for sure? Are you for sure you'll be back? Oh, I'll be back. You like Eminem? Guess who's back? Okay. At least right. saying that. Or Jason Aldean singing, We back. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen to the what Huntington Beach kid talking about country music. Oh, man. PJ North, your your uh, mission is complete. You've impacted him. <laughs> yep. There you go. He's going to have to write me a new intro song for qualifying. Get on there it, we PJ. Go. There we go. All right. Well, dude, let's uh, let's get out of here and get to it. Get the weekend started. I wish you uh, and the family the best out there. Don't float away. Don't freeze to death. Turn into popsicles, and I'm going to do the best I can over here. I'm done. Sounds good. I'm going to I'm going to leave you with what my kid says all the time. All right, dad. Let's do it. I'm out. But uh yeah, thanks for uh to all of our marketing partners. And don't forget, it's the racing season. Go to racing racersandrentalcars.com. Get yourself a hoodie, t-shirt, hat, something to support the show. And uh yeah, have a cold one. Put a put a koozie on it. We got those too. Um but, you know, Thank you for downloading this episode of Racers and Rental Cars. This episode has been brought to you in part by Streetway Marketing and Media, Voice America for all of your podcasting needs, K&N Air Filters, Manscaped.com, CBDMD, Motion Raceworks, and LB Trailer Sales. Be sure to use the RIRC promo code at any of the listed sponsors. We appre- they appreciate your business, and we'll see you next week. Put it-